Welcome to the Pain Education Podcast. My name is Alex Corey, and as always, I'm joined by Bill Paravano. This podcast is brought to you by the Camella Foundation. Our mission at the Camella Foundation is to relieve pain naturally using osteopathic healing principles. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time Live with your questions where we'll be going into detail on how the underlying patterns in your neurology are affecting pain and tension in your physical body. Welcome back to the Pain Education Podcast, everyone. Happy January 10th. And uh, Bill, it's always good to be with you. You said something yesterday, which summed it up pretty well for me, which was, it's been a year. It's uh, it's definitely been a quick 2023 already. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Yes, this year's been intense. Yeah, lots moving. Hopefully, mostly good. Yes, like project starting. Shot, yeah, got shot out of a cannon. That's what it felt like on. Uh, actually, it was uh, January second, and then everything is just taken on a whole new. Each day, it's almost exponential growth, which has been pretty awesome to watch. Yes. So today I was hoping to pick up where we left off last week, which was on the fractal nature of neurology. And then we'll probably go into um, some of the more common things that you've been experiencing with your clients this year. But do you want to pick off, uh, pick up where we started last week with explaining how and what the fractal nature of reality or of neurology means and how it's tied in factor fractal nature of reality, perhaps. Sure. Uh, well, fractals, for those that aren't familiar, are patterns that exist in nature. And no matter how far you zoom out looking at the fractal or how closely you zoom in looking at the fractal, the pattern is the same. And when we look at healing in the physical body or dealing with the neurology, the, these patterns exist in our physical body in the same way. Uh, no matter how close we zoom in or how far we zoom out, we're going to see this, uh, the same or a very similar pattern that's going on, <clears throat> be it in our lives, uh, be it in our physical body, be it in our emotions, be it in our relationships, business, whatever it is. So we could zoom in or zoom out. We're looking at the same pattern. Uh, I think, Alex, we, we were talking about last week in regards to we have to understand what level of the fractal that we're working on in order to affect the change throughout the entire, our entire being. Yes. And that sounds like as above, so below, which is one of the universal laws. Or if you look at a leaf structure or the vein structure of anything in nature, plant structure, it'll always correlate with, you know, a river tributary system. So it's the same patterns at each level of magnification, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Alex, do, do we, uh, it looks like I'm only on the feed right now. Do you want to come in? Let as me well? swap it back over. How's that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Is I'll that, just... uh, is that what you mean when you mean level of analysis so the same that you would see on like a leaf and then a tributary things like that is that the same in the human body very much so yeah like if you're looking at uh, let's say emotional patterns you're easy to <clears throat> get upset 
about things or you're very impulsive about getting involved in whatever it is or not involved, that pattern is going to be held in your physical body the very same way you hold it in your mind and in your emotions. How you think about it is how your body will react and respond. How you feel about it will be how your body reacts and responds. So when we begin to talk about fractal patterns, we're looking at how does this pattern show up, not only in our, in our lives by the choices we make or the things that we act upon or don't act upon, it's also showing up in how we think about things, how our emotions, how we feel about things, as well as it's going to hold a manifested physical tension pattern in our body. So I've been going through a couple of different cyclical patterns and just barely starting to discover them that have probably been going on for about four years. Once you notice that's happening, is there a way that you know of to trace where it's correlated to in the body? Sure. Sure. Well, first recognizing the pattern, like you've got to become aware of the pattern. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. You can't begin to straighten up the living room until you turn on the light, the lights, you know, that, that kind of thing. I like that. A perfect analogy. So first of all, we become aware of a pattern that no longer works for us. The awareness provides the mode for change. So once we gain awareness of a pattern that doesn't work for us, then we can now begin to work on it, be it thinking about it differently, feeling about it differently. You have a lot of the, um, self-help, uh, new agey kind of stuff, writing about it, mm -hmm. uh, visualizing it, vision boards, all sorts of things to begin to change those patterns in our mind, our emotions, um, in who we are. However, when we get to the physical body, that's the densest part of who we are. And it takes the longest to integrate and change those, what we're trying to shift. So becoming aware of the thought, the emotion, whatever that is, we could begin to take a moment, close our eyes and see, well, where do we feel it in our bodies? Where do we feel restricted? Do I feel restricted in my lower back? When I have this idea of what I'm, a choice I'm making, or it, it's so much easier if I have a specific example. I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. Well, Talk, just, Talking about it theoretically, yes. it really makes it a pain in them. But um, to, 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 to work with or to talk about. Yes. Because if, if you have, um, maybe we can make a hypothetical example, sure. like a, a example from somebody that you know, or if you don't well, want to use your own. If, I'll use my own. That's fine. If I feel myself getting um, triggered at potentially asserting um, overconfidence or something that I think I should know more about and not acknowledging my baseline. So if I feel my ego kicking up when a question or not even a question, but just someone's talking to me and I feel like my input would be needed when maybe I'm not the best person for that subject. If I feel that pattern spinning up and sort of my brain starting to fire and get into combative states, 
that is probably an everyday thing for me. And I also have a number of issues in my body. How would I start to, when I feel myself getting like my sympathetic nervous system starts firing and going into a combative state, um, if I don't diffuse it quickly enough, how would I start to correlate potential issues, recurring issues or tension patterns in my body to when that pattern starts firing and I feel it, mm. something like that. Sure. The big thing, and I got this from a primitive skills classes that I've been through and they, they call them pressure releases in tracks. So you have a footprint of an animal that based on where it's looking left or right, up or down, whether it's bladder is full or empty, whether it's stomach is full or empty, whether it has injuries, the terrain, all of that goes into how an animal will stand on the land. And based on the pressure or tension in the foot or in the paw hmm. will dictate certain nuances in the print as to what direction the animal is going. If you're tracking an animal through the landscape and you lose a print or you lose a track, it's like, okay, they're going, I got this track, I got the next track, I got the next track. All of a sudden I can't find the next track. We don't continue going forward to try to figure out the solution. We have to go back maybe a track or two to look at the direction of travel or the speed or the uh, the pressure releases in the paw print to determine where we go next. What is the follow-up for that? The very same thing could be happen could uh, be said for the situation we find ourselves in. Mm. It's not to push forward and figure out, well, how do we fix it once it's already gone off the rails? We got to track it back to, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Okay. So the more we increase the awareness in our lives, paying attention to these patterns and talk about when the tension started building up, then we can find a, a, like a, a little nexus, a little place where all of a sudden it started expanding that we can address it at that point. But we almost do it. And this, this is so interesting how I've seen we start functioning and healing in the physical body. And this is trauma. This is how trauma shows up in the physical body. We have to recognize and be present with what level we're working at at the time. The more present we can get with it, we can shift what happens in the past and in the future simultaneously by being more present with what's going on in the physical body. So in your situation, mm -hmm. my question would be, well, when did you first become aware of this tension building up? What was the scenario? Was it a meeting you were immediately in? Was it when someone asked you a question? Was it leading up to the meeting? Like, where did you become aware of? You see what I'm 
talking oh, about. Yeah. Okay. So now we're we're stepping it back instead of moving forward and trying to figure out well how do we diffuse it after it's already blown up and you have a full blown sympathetic response to the situation or scenario. We're backing it up. And now I'm asking you questions to think back. The meeting, the conversation, the situation, the drive, the phone call, the email, the text, like what happened back in the process that all of a sudden it's like you started, it started amping up in your neurology. That's the high leverage point. But we don't fix it moving forward. We mix it. We fix it by going back and get to that point to become aware of the pattern. Because at the point when you can become aware of the pattern, that is where we're, we can be present with the pattern to shift the neurology so everything's different going forward. I was trying to, when, as you were describing that, I was trying to think of when I first started actually becoming aware and I could feel the gears start turning. And for the situation I described with sort of the combative mental processes firing up in that example, it was probably maybe a year ago, whenever I first started uh, tapering caffeine or trying to taper caffeine a little down. And I also started doing daily reviews, Joe Dispenza, um, evening meditation stuff, where you look at yourself through another person's perspective in a very parasympathetic state. So first step, I had to bring my neurology back down and my heart rate and get in a calm position in a parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. And then as I started looking at my day objectively, it's pretty, it was pretty obvious to see uh, it would be mid-conversation. So I'm pretty good going into something, but then it would be basically whenever someone asked a question about, uh, since I work with nutrition and metabolism a lot, there are so there are so many frameworks within that. So whenever someone goes, well, what about this? That's when that combative thing kicks on. And instead of actually meeting someone where they are and sort of, um, guiding myself by guiding them, mm -hmm. I would try to just impose, which is, it's hard to not do that in nutrition if you have specific protocols, but it would be mid conversation. And I could see when I would be looking at that situation, that that's where gears started firing up and my heart rate would go up and, and all of that kind of like just going into a debate when there was no need for it to be a debate. So acknowledging that, once I see that it's in that position, what would be the next step? Once I know where it starts firing. I'd still, I'd go back. Okay. We got to go back because in order for that to fire and be like uh, an inflammatory situation, yeah. we have to have a baseline that we're running at that would provide the foundation for the inflammatory. Gotcha thing to push off of. So my piece that I would, I would look at is how can I recognize the tension that develops in my own neurology? How can I begin to diffuse that tension in my own neurology on a baseline? So um, if the baseline, let's say, is at a five, yes. one to 10 baselines at a five, and we work over the next several weeks of diffusing the tension pattern in your physical body to get it down to a three, 
Now you go back into that same situation and it's not going to be nearly as inflammatory because I'm coming from a place where I may not really care. <laughs> you know, it. the more we can diffuse the tension in what you were talking about baseline a minute ago is a big part of that. Yeah. We, we have a, a more of a baseline that we're functioning where we're not upset and we're hanging around people that we like to hang around and we're not getting in arguments and things are pretty calm and mellow, then we could begin isolating these triggers, these things in our life that are causing us to um, be charged. It's a, it's a a charged situation or scenario that, um, we can isolate it. And it's so much easier to work on a piece of something than the whole of something. And, and that goes back to the fractal conversation. If we're trying to deal with the whole problem, then we're not on the right level of the fractal to zero in on what we can effectively change in the neurology. This stuff is, if, if it's not making sense. It's I'm- making sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking about my day as you're describing it and sort of <clears throat> part of the piece of the evening meditation is where did you act in a limited way? So it's easy enough to, your subconscious is real good at keeping track of, of sure. your actions on a day to day. I mean, the, the thing that it does the best is judge basically. So it's pretty easy to see yeah, I probably could have handled that better. So my daily task has been how long into my day can I go before I act in a limited way, before I, I'm not holding myself to my own ideal as to how I would respond in a calm and collective and open listening way. So sure. it's it's been interesting tracking in my body what um, what tension patterns are persistent that I only notice when I get myself back into that parasympathetic state. And that one I mentioned to you is hip. This hip comes back, that's persistent. But the other ones are very based off of how charged I am. Like baseline morning. So I wake up within a half hour after I drink some water. That's probably my calmest state of the day. Haven't mm-hmm. eaten anything, haven't engaged with anyone. I'm pretty good. So then it's sort of just tracking where I feel myself starting to slip off or when, when a pattern comes back, when I start to feel something, mm-hmm. is that a good way to approach that? Just kind of keep a persistent record throughout your day. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a real good way of doing it. I usually, um, the well, no, Christina, you, mm-hmm. you know, in, She's a great mirror for me. Oh yeah. When <laughs> when shit goes south <laughs> and things because a relationship is a, is an amazing amazing um baseline for how you're doing. Yes. You know when things don't go well and they're the ones that are usually things blow sideways with. And having that type of feedback, having that type of mirror to hold up, to be like, oh, well, that was the part. And I need to track that one back to figure out how, how to zero in 
mm-hmm. on what I need to work on and work with. Cause there's some times that I wake up and my baseline is off. Yeah. It could be, and, and this is where we get, I think we can have a very, very broad conversation that there is things that affect us outside of us that it points in the direction that we're more than just physical beings, that we're energetic beings and we're affected and influenced by thoughts of others. We're affected and influenced by, um, you know, uh, tides and the motion of the planets and storms and all sorts of stuff. And when people think, oh, that's too woo-woo that's out there, well, think about it. You have people complaining about their joints because a a storm's coming in. Right. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's not touching you. That's not anything you can see or feel or touch, yet it's affecting physically how you feel. Well, that sure as well can affect what's going on in your physical body. And your physical body is attached to your mind, your emotions, and all that kind of stuff. So that there's... Uh, an idea in society that things need to be compartmentalized Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't work that way. And people who try to work that way are, are finding as we move forward in the the direction that we're going in the world, that they're going to be struggling more and more and more because there's a disconnect of being able to integrate different parts of their selves in order to find a congruence in how they live their life. Yeah, that's a good point. If you're in alignment or not. So if your words and actions are holding with what you, your own ideal of yourself and yeah, people feel that pretty quickly. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing in the the evening review is did what I say, the way I said it, my interactions, my relationships, match up with what I said I wanted to become or who I wanted to become at the beginning of the day, basically. And it it becomes very obvious. And what you're saying earlier is just because we can't see electromagnetic fields or any type of information field doesn't mean they aren't interacting with our own fields every second. Sure. Yeah. And we talk about power lines. I was going to say, go stand under a power line. (laughs) Talk about antennas. We look at the the different G's, three, four, five G stuff. Uh, I mean, you can get into that. And there's a, the more sensitive and aware you become by becoming more connected with how things, how you interact or influence things or are influenced by things, the more you go, oh, wow, we're really, this is happening all day, every day, continually. Yes. Yeah, it's it, the more sensitive you become or the more aware you become, you can almost feel the layers being mm-hmm. piled on where your baseline would probably be well fed, but in a calm state in the woods away from other people, other tech, mm-hmm. other, you know, just by yourself in the woods is a pretty still and mellow state. And then if you just keep piling on layers of additional people, of additional technology, of additional problems, Traffic mm-hmm. is probably the a whole nother thing. Like if you start swirling those things, yeah, you can see how well your body handle or how your body handles stress and inflammation or doesn't. Or or doesn't. Right. Yeah, I don't know anyone that handles it well. 
it's just how yeah. how much of a buffer do you have yeah, yeah. and, and the, i think what's happening now is in society there's this place of looking at well who do we who are we in coherence with who are we resonating with and meaning like how can i be how can i be bill how can you be alex and not have to put on any airs yep. of being different than who we are. Yeah, so I think, there's a, I, I think there's a recognition that, especially what we've been through as a society over the past several years of seeing these different um, ideas voiced on social media and we're like, oh, wow, I had nothing in common with that person. <laughs> what the hell was I doing? <laughs> when, when we begin to recognize that we get to be more discerning and realizing what a drain it was to be around this person or that person and how we can disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. And this goes into the conversation of entrainment. I think we've had that conversation before. We might've, but I didn't know it by that word. So feel free. Okay. So entrainment, think of two dogs. On the street, they run up against each other, towards each other. They're nose to nose. And one dog goes like this, the other dog goes like this. And the other dog goes like this, the other dog goes like this. Gotcha. Until one turns and runs and the other chases. There's an entrainment that takes place between the energies or the nervous systems of those two dogs. Well, we're no different. <laughs> We're no different. When we interact with another person, there is an entrainment. There is an entraining that takes place with the neurology based on certain social structures, how, how we're feeling and all that. And I raise my hand to go like this and you raise your hand to shake it. It's an entrainment. Yep. And this happens on many levels when we're interacting with people. Someone comes in the, in a room, you're in a room full of people, everybody's getting along real good and someone comes in that's really upset. You can viscerally feel the tension in that oh, yeah. person that walks in the room. And many times people will brace in anticipation of the tension of that person that came in the room. That's entrainment, just like uh, when you're around a, um, a mentor or a, a master, somebody like in martial arts, it happens a lot where you have the, the martial arts master that's very calm and at peace and doesn't matter who comes at them and doing what, they're, they're just calm and they're moving and they're flowing and all that. That relaxes the tension in the other opponent. There's an entrainment that takes place that when a person attacks a person that's more relaxed, the person that attacks is going to, their nervous system is going to get relaxed because of the concept of entrainment that takes place within neurology. So you can control that interaction. I can control the interaction. This is This goes back to your situation you were talking before. Yes. It's not a bad thing to get excited or to get relaxed if you're in control of that interaction. There's some people 
that I can interact with as a way of exciting their nervous system to get them motivated to do something. They will entrain with the words that I say or what I might do that to motivate them to action. The same way I could calm myself down so they get more relaxed. And so I'm, I'm like the, the, the switch in the interaction that allows them to experience a different state of being that they wouldn't be able to feel otherwise without that concept of entrainment. That was a great description. I, I will look at interactions in a slightly different way because of that. Would you say those are mirror neurons firing? So attempting to mimic or experience what the person on the other side of you is doing? Like, why does your neurology function like that? Do you think? I think it's very much if we look at like uh, tuning forks, same concept. If I find resonance. Well, yeah, it's a resonance or uh, crystal bowls. Yeah. You do the thing on the crystal bowl and it radiates out. It's a frequency. That's why when people play certain types of classical music, it calms everybody down. They feel at peace. That's why they beat drums of war to get people amped up to go to fight. I mean, if you look at it, these are universal principles that apply across society. We just don't look at it. We don't connect it because there's so much of our society has been compartmentalized. They're looking for the double blind mm-hmm. peer reviewed study as to why this makes sense without using a um, stepping back and looking at the patterns that are going on and how um, uh, they say common sense, but I don't know if common sense is the right term to use if it's not very common. We have to look at it objectively and look at it as what we can see in nature, what we can see in society, and then look at these patterns in a way and make sense of them instead of looking to something that is written in a book or otherwise that would make it make sense for us. Right. Well, the, the book part is a great foundation. So the, the reason I love archetypes and archetypal metaphors so much is because it's always based on, you have to understand um, what prior people have found their context of thinking to be able to integrate and evolve it and bring it forward. So that's the concept of diving down into the depths to rescue your father. You bring it up and then you form it into yourself and move forward. As in you have to integrate the old knowledge and figure out where people were coming from who came before you before you can integrate and evolve and move forward. That's why I like that so much. Yeah. And if I was misinterpreted with that. Uh, that the information in books can be very valuable. But Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is it's like people will be stuck at looking at the GPS on their phone or looking at the map and they run right into the tree that's in front of them. And it's like, oh, but the tree wasn't on the map. The tree wasn't in the GPS. So we need to have that um, both uh, focused tunnel vision and wide angle vision at the same time. Right. Is that, have we talked about that? No, but it sounds like a, a holistic model of reality. So that's where the expression, the, the map isn't 
the world or the model isn't reality. It's why models don't work all that well sometimes because it's almost impossible to, to model reality and predict accurately because sure. the present moment is very unpredictable, which is the fun part. It seems to be. Um, oh, we got some people that were chiming in on oh, I didn't even see that. Uh, comments. Yeah. So forgive us. Alex and I are learning the dance with all this stuff. Uh, we, we've recently uh, re-resurrected the pain education podcast, it's a little bit different format. Um, and we're getting all of that. Uh, well, we recorded our first one last week. Yes. And we got Ooh. just figured out last night, we got all that up. So it getting sent out. So the first one got sent out, Alex. There's a good one here. Someone pointed out just cell phones. I, that's my biggest one at the moment. Like it's the most unconscious habit, something we constantly have in our hands and pockets and cell phones trigger dopamine addiction. There's nothing in my life that is so unconscious that I have to actually think about than reaching for a cell phone. It's mm -hmm. I, I turn my ringer back on because mm -hmm. even as obnoxious as it is, if it's not on, I will constantly look every probably minute and a half to see if there's something I need to check. Mm -hmm. So I turn the ringer back on, even though I hate that because it's bad. Like, mm -hmm. As for like going into the woods, like we were mentioning, <clears throat> cell phones are definitely have transformed the way we communicate and ease of use and networking and all that. But eh, that's a big dual edged sword. I don't know how to deal with that one. And yeah, just the EMF that comes off of it. Like sure. if you look at a brain scan of holding your cell phone here, it penetrates three quarters of the way into your, your head, the radiation coming sure. off of it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, there is, um, and that's something we can talk about and uh, possible future interviews with people, but there is somebody that uh, we're currently working with that has a level of technology that harmonizes that EMF, um, the, the emittance of EMFs and how, you know, you got, we got power lines and the, all of that other kind of stuff. And instead of like blocking it where there's this, idea that we need to keep it out, which we live in a world that it's virtually impossible to keep it out anymore. How can we take it and like a great martial arts master, how can that be moved in a harmonized way? So it's not only uh, not depleting us, it's actually, we can flip it around. So it's actually energizing us. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with waveforms when you understand the waveforms. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what I why I wear this. This isn't a blocker. This is just a mini, mini microcosm of a harmonizer, just any organite. So it, it may, smooths it. You may want to slide over the mic. Was oh, it? gotcha. I forget that, sir. I mean, anyone who you see wearing these little things, that's their purpose. Any organite yes. is to re-harmonize or try to. Sure. And those devices you can put in your house that do the same thing on a very small level where you, it creates a bubble where it'll smooth the waveform out and reharmonize the frequency a little bit. Now, yeah, that's a whole podcast <laughs> by itself. Sure. Just yeah. EMF harmonization. 
Uh, let's go back to, or actually, let's, any clients you've had this year to pivot <clears throat> or carried over, have you noticed any patterns specifically at the beginning of the year that are presenting themselves? Anything sort of that you've noticed in the collective for pain? don't know that it's necessarily new this year sure but i think people are really struggling with the mental piece of where to start yeah. it, it there there's it's kind of like um finding the beginning of a circle yeah. where where do i start here do i start here do i start here and then they try to take on too much and then it overwhelms their neurology and then they quit which is what they call it the new year's resolutions okay i'm gonna eat right i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna you know walk my dog and i'm gonna all this other kind of stuff and it's too much of a bite to take out of life in order to make the change lasting and permanent and they do too much and it isn't able to be integrated right. so that's on one end of the spectrum the other end of the spectrum is if we really give them on that fractal the part that's going to make the biggest change for their neurology it's going to seem too simple and then their brain overlooks it and they're on to the next thing well i, I that, that can't be it that's me yep <laughs> but i'm just i'm just saying that that's a pattern that i see so i work with people with knee pain on a daily and there was a guy i spoke with the beginning of the for last week where are we? mm -hmm. yeah last week and he was all gung-ho like this is great i want to sign up for the program and i want to do this and i said okay slow down because this is the pattern you're trying to jump in and change too much you're going to sign up for the program. You're not going to be ready. Then the program isn't going to be what you think it is because whatever you're making up in your mind right now, yeah. and then you'll end up quitting the program because you aren't fully committed to doing it. So then I was like, okay, take a day or so, think about it, then join the program and then we'll get started. So then he continues to send me emails asking me more questions because now his brain that knows there's change that will take place is wanting to know more. It's trying to make a, a logical, rational understanding of everything he heard on the call. Mm -hmm. So I'll get questions like, well, what is your, where did you study? What are your credentials? What is it? You know, they'll go down the big laundry list of those things needing some sort of reassurance that what they felt speaking to me is somehow going to be justified yeah. by letters after my name or something along those lines. So you can see the self-sabotage oh, yeah. going into place. So he keeps calling for or emailing for more information, asking me questions, and I'm answering the questions the best I can without him joining the program. Mm -hmm. I, I could tell people how to swim all day long, but until they get in the water, 
they're not I'm not going to be able to tell them more. I'm going to say, well, the water's wet. It may be kind of cold. <laughs> they want to wear swim trunks. You know, yeah. they want to bring a towel. They're going to have have goggles. Maybe have flippers. Uh, you know, what uh, flip flops? Like yeah. I can tell them all the things that they're going to need, but I can only tell them so much. Which is why I offer like a 15 minute free consult to see if it's even a fit. And if we if it if we can't cover it in 15 minutes, then you're not a fit for the program. It's right. just, that's just how it is there will be people that, and this goes into boundary issues <laughs> and all sorts of other neurological things mm -hmm. that people never had support with in their families growing up. And now they're dysfunctional as adults and they're trying to figure out how to get help, but they don't trust themselves and they mm -hmm. overthink things and they act too soon or they freeze and don't act enough, you know, so they're trying to find the balance in all of it. And really, you gotta gotta start, and you gotta stick with it, and you see how you can measure your progress. This is that this is that piece that I was telling you about the backtracking. Yes, you got to get to a, a doable amount that we can implement easily. Because if I if I implement three easy things today, three more easy things tomorrow three more easy things the day after that. Mm -hmm. Now at the end of the month, I've had, was it 900? 900 easy things that I've implemented. As opposed to if I give you 900 easy things today, right. you're going to forget about them. And you're Progressive gonna... overload of habits, basically. Yeah. So it's the same same concept, very small. And actually, I was just talking about this this morning in, in one of my other um, group calls. It was... James Clear is 1% better. And he was, James Clear is the habit dude. Atomic Habits is, is the book. And there's a really nice graph in there. I'll put it on the screen for the, um, the full broadcast. And it's just a nice little inflection curve mm -hmm. with 1% better. And you do that for 30 days and you don't see any real change. And then at 30 days, exponential curve up. Like you don't feel the benefits of that it's where the compound interest starts ticking basically at habit changes. Once you've gotten past the three week point, 30 days, you start feeling like large leaps and bounds, but 1% better. Yeah. The small thing every day is the consistency is always more than almost anything else. Like this goes for fitness routines people are always asking what the best thing is and the answer is always the thing you'll actually do every day you actually do and allow for the pivot allow for the switch in direction yeah. and that's where people in pain they're like okay what exercises do i do to strengthen my legs well what if it isn't exercises right what if exercises make your knee pain worse now what are you going to do Oh, but they don't have a pivot. There isn't a flexibility built into the direction that they're going to understand how to go in a direction that's sustainable, that will continue that exponential growth. Right. So, and the compounding interest thing, that is a great example. And if people look up 30-day compounding interest, like the choice between getting, um, what is it, uh, $10,000 a day? Mm -hmm. Or doubling a penny, yep, doubled every day for thirty days. Like which one is more? Yep. And you think, well, the penny can't be that much.
because I know I'll have $300,000 at the end of the month with $10,000 a day. A penny doubled a day is like more than $11 million at the end yeah. of the month. It's crazy. I think it was ben Franklin, I think it was, I think it was him. Call it like the the ninth wonder of the world, compounding interest. Like yeah. imagine if you I always think about this. Imagine if you started something 10 years ago and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna do this every day for 10 years. If you like invested something incredibly small, started a routine on health or pain reduction or literally anything, and you did it every day for 10 years. Those things make massive life changes. Just the small thing you do every day, meditation, like the the control and awareness you'll have over every facet of your life if you just do like five minutes every day is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know from... Lloyd pointed out flow states. Let's see. Did you meet Lloyd yet? I have not yet met Lloyd. I recognize the picture though. It looks like a. Uh... Yeah. Oh, uh, it's yeah. He's a Sistema guy. Gotcha. He's in oh, Rona. You want to touch on Sistema? Because I heard you're going to be potentially doing Sistema. Oh, well, tonight I'm teaching at uh, Mandala Springs. And physical reset. Physical reset circle, the first uh, one that we're going to be doing in person. And then figuring out how we'll do that as far as live streaming. But I figured we'd yep. get one thing done first. Yes. I'll, actually, I'll meet you at that one because I need to to see how that feels in person. Okay. Uh, so we're doing that tonight at 4.30, I think, at Mandala Anyone Spring. in Western North Carolina area, this is in Barnardsville at Mandala Springs, if you're interested in coming. Yes. Um, That's an every week thing. Yes. So I teach people how to get themselves really paying attention, stress, shift the neurology. So there's that on Tuesdays at 4.30. Um, and then Sistema. Yes, that has been a new occurrence. I actually spoke to Lloyd about that last night. Oh, nice. Because uh, he visited over the Christmas break and had gotten some sort of hit that I would be teaching or there was something Lloyd was talking about because I stepped away from it a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyhow, it all, you were there, all of these things started falling into place about me teaching again here locally. So that's going to happen. Uh, Can you Dallas. describe Sistema for people listening who have no idea what it is? Yes. Yeah, Sistema is, is a Russian martial art and it is a, um, a healing art disguised as a martial art. That's the best way I could describe it. And you are, you learn the principles of breathing, movement, and relaxation and dissipating the your own fear in your body, in your neurology. And the more you dissipate your own fear, the easier it is to see the tension or fear in other people in your opponent. So if anybody were to, you know, confront you, you're intuitively led to touch or strike an area of their, your opponent, which relaxes their tension and collapses their structure. Now that is a way oversimplification of what it is. And there's, there's a lot of levels, um, but it's very much a neurological re-education 
approach to retraining the the body's tension patterns and to respond differently to stress. When you say respond differently, do you mean sort of become more aware that it's happening within you and able to not let it cascade? Or what do you mean by uh, respond to stress differently? Well, stress is like energy that builds up in us and we can use breathing, uh, posture, movement to dissipate that stress. We can use that same understanding of these tension patterns that develop within us to defend ourselves if need be. Um, Did I answer your question? I I apologize. Well, basically it sounded like just an abundance of excess energy or, well, I guess that is exactly what stress is, right? So if you think about the pituitary adrenal pathway, it's basically you notice something in your environment, your body floods you with cortisol, norepinephrine, adrenaline, all your adaptive hormones, which will pull fuel out of your cells and dump it in your bloodstream for immediate action. So that would make sense. Yeah, you have an abundance of immediately available energy that needs something to do, basically, So, which triggers anxiety in me because I have to get rid of it or else it just keeps floating and it takes a while for those that cascade to go away for me. Sure. So when that happens, there is tension patterns that start to build in your physical body. And uh, with Systema, you can use striking as a way of dissipating that tension or interrupting that tension pattern that will allow you to work with that those physiological reactions more effectively do the tension patterns that build have any have you been able to track where a tension pattern is located in the physical body and correlate it to some general trigger does that make sense like the body has meridian systems do some things show up in different places in the body on some sort of pattern with across everyone are there any general um tension patterns that that people store in very specific places does that question make sense sure there's a lot of fear and self-pity in our solar plexus exactly like that like interesting yeah you know and you like a person um will be re- they'll you know brace for a punch and when you're braced for a punch, your ability to uh, w- with that bracing of the punch, the ability of the, the punch to affect you and change you as a person is somewhat limited. But when you're standing there and allowing a person that you have a certain level of trust with, use the strike as like a high speed massage. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What, like, and, and most people, this is something I was talking about last night. Most people, whenever they've been hit, they've been hit out of emotion where someone's trying to hurt them. Parent was upset. Brother, sister were mad at you. Uh, friends you got in a fist fight with. So there was a charge of emotion with the person 
that was you were getting struck by. So there was not only the physical experience of the strike, you're also dealing with the emotional component that that person was trying to to diffuse their neurology on you. So now you have two things you have to deal with. But if you get struck and it doesn't have to be a blast, uh, punches can be just pushes initially that the body then builds up a tolerance to an understanding to and can handle more. When it's done with an intent to heal, with an intent to diffuse the tension in your nervous system, to bring you more uh, wisdom and understanding within yourself, so you look deeper inside of yourself, mm-hmm. that's a whole completely different ballgame. Right. We're not talking about um, hitting just to, to beat down a person. You're using a fist as a, as a tool to heal. Interesting. Right. So you're, you're breaking the, the initial association with the, the biochemical trigger basically. Ah, entrainment. Yes. Entrainment. Someone goes like this, you go, I'm going to get hit. Right. But if you begin to understand what the fist is and what it looks like when a person has intent as opposed to when a person is just raising their fist. Uh-huh. Now we don't perceive, we, we begin to understand genuine intent to harm differently than if a person is just striking to heal you. It's different. Do you learn to read body motion a little differently? Like are there certain chains in the body that'll fire with certain intentions that you pick up? Yeah, you're looking way too deep into it. I'm sure that's me. What I'm saying is that you tap into who you are as a, a, a nervous system, as an energetic being that picks up the movement. Like we pull our hand away from a hot stove before we rationally go, oh, the stove is hot. I should pull my hand away quickly. There are many times where you touch a pan or touch a hot stove, the hand will come away before the brain even registers that it was hot. The only thing in, in the way of that, and that's when I talk about the neurology firing at 286 miles per hour. Oh, I put that well, wrong in the title. I'm put 256. <laughs> Not bad. But it depends. If the the signal is clear, yes, it can fire faster. If the signal is muddied by drugs and and other things, the signal is slower. So, you know, it's a range. The point of what I'm saying is that our fear gets in the way of the response that are uh, a a clear response from our neurology from an experience that's perfect that, that, i love that that's why if someone raises their fist like this some people will go you know they'll, they'll be covering up before anything even happens and then other people that have knowledge and wisdom in the understanding of that movement 
will begin to position themselves differently so they're prepared for what may come. Yes. So it's would you a, say that? It's the difference between reacting and responding to something. Is the easiest way to, to diffuse those patterns to be, is there a, a detrainment? Is it, what would you call that? If you're starting to diffuse and um, recondition your body to not have fear as a reaction. Are yes. martial arts the best way to, or one of one of the ways you found that it's, do that well? It's a way. And I wouldn't say all martial arts mm. because there's some martial arts that train fear into the body. They create more tension in the body. Mm. Um, what was used as an example is boxing. Boxing is a great sport. But once again, it's a sport. So there's an inherent tension that comes in with the desire to win. Yep. So if you're looking from Sistema, the perspective is to survive. It's not to win, it's to survive. And when our focus is on survival, we're going to find the shortest distance between where we're at and where we need to go to survive. Mm -hmm. With an inherent sport like boxing, and we're building that tension into the neurology to respond faster and punch harder and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It creates an inherent um, uh, attention in the structure that eventually over time breaks down the physical body. So yeah. if I hit with tension, if I'm hitting a heavy bag, other people with tension, that tension will go back into me. Whereas if I'm hitting with relaxation, the energy of that strike goes into the other person. Yeah. I, and I can feel that whenever I'm, I'm doing that incorrectly, you feel that ripple and you, you will get fatigued very, I get fatigued incredibly quickly, right? Because sure. the tension is going right back into me. That was a great explanation. Um, to close out and or go back to the beginning for people at the beginning of their new year, we touched on awareness being the, the foundation for pain reduction. So just being able to figure out where any of those tensions are stemming from is that is that across the board or if, if people are already aware in, in your tracking analogy, is there a next step that's easy that applies to everyone for starting to work through tension patterns? Everybody's at a different level of awareness. Yeah. Everybody has a different capacity to change. Everyone has a different willingness to change. Oh yeah. So you kind of take that into consideration and you figure out where the starting point might be when taking those factors into consideration. Uh, the more we, the more a person is able to get present and then with what's going on with them and then trust the person that they're working with. That's the big thing. There, there's a lot of fear I see in uh, coaching 
the coaching comes from a place of I see it all over the board and I've experienced it with a lot of different coaches or trainers or mentors in my life where there's a, an inherent fear of the student surpassing the, the teacher. Um, so you will have teachers that will suppress their students in a way and sometimes overt, overtly, sometimes very subversively to keep their students in a place where they have control over them. Um, and it limits the student's ability to evolve because there is somewhat of a parent-child relationship going on there. And there's, um, if the teacher, mentor, coach, trainer, whatever position that they're in, that uh, senior, junior, type of relationship yeah. if the if that person in the senior relationship isn't aware of their their stuff their shadow their dark side whatever that is then they could function at very much at a disservice to the student and many people don't even know how to function in a mentor student type of relationship if they don't have that oppressive feeling over the right. top. So, I mean, there, there's so many layers and levels of how to have that conversation and how to begin. And you got to find somebody that is willing to have this level of open conversation mm -hmm. to figure out, well, where your beginning of the circle is. Yeah. Because if you don't have that level of open and honest communication then at some level the the student or the teacher is going to be limited because in a i believe in a very healthy student teacher relationship you're both growing yes 100 percent. yeah like the student is pushing the teacher to be a better teacher and the teacher is pushing the student to be a better student yeah. and that's where that we don't have a, those aren't very common in no. terms of that and you can see those teachers i like yeah so uh the new coaching model it's not new but it's becoming more apparent as the only one that works when you because it doesn't involve manipulation like you stated or any any real control is the collaboration model so you, it's it's walking side by side with someone, not necessarily even so instead of the sort of the expert client role, it's more of a collaboration role where there's almost no like statements. Even if you're in a coaching conversation with someone employing it, there's a whole bunch of semi annoying probing questions because mm -hmm. I have to do this in my coaching. It's, it's mostly questions and seeing most people know where they have to go innately, intuitively, and they might just need a little like nudge direction one way or another, or maybe they are lacking a critical piece of information or something like that. But most people know innately what they have to do as their next step. And then it's just instilling accountability. So it, yeah, I appreciate what you said with, it's very obvious when you meet a teacher who loves what they do. So the best teachers I've had, 
are the ones who like you can see them light up when they're teaching and they're in dialogue with their students and they just discovered something new because of that dynamic like they're they're still unearthing their practice with other people and it's not it's not a top down it's they'd probably know more than you but it's uh you get inspired by their level of curiosity for their craft which is amazing those are the best teachers i've had um i was having this conversation this morning regarding systema and why i've been hesitant to resume teaching is because there wasn't a level of commitment by the students and the the basics with systema is you have to learn to fall roll and breathe in basics for it and you have to do that on your first class or your first several classes and that has to be reinforced in your neurology but you have people that don't come consistently and without that level of consistency now you're teaching people to roll and breathe and fall every class. So my interest in teaching comes from my students pushing me to be a better instructor. That excites me because we have different questions, deeper questions Mm -hmm. uh, about tension or fear, emotion, thoughts, you know, that kind of stuff. Now we can have a really robust type of class that can continue evolving. But when there isn't that level of commitment, well, then it, it gets pretty old real quick. Yeah. People just trying to rolling and breathing every time. So yes, which you, I can have see to, that. you have to do every time, but it's like uh, starting every day in kindergarten and trying to get to university level in the same day. It just doesn't really work. Yep, I can see that. Um, any other major topics you wanted to touch on? Oh gosh, for today? There's, there's so much. I sent you. I know. Text. You did. We have to save some. And, and I'll I'll continue sending you texts that I get from different conversations I have with uh, people who do the 15 minute complimentary consult with the knee pain guru, okay. uh, as well as uh, clients that I work with. Uh, that with that, there are new people that have been starting up in the program since the beginning of the year. So they're new conversations and it sparks different, like, oh, they're looking at it from this way and I can mm-hmm. talk about it from this way. And so it's, it's cool. So I'll continue to shoot you Please. little text note reminders that all you got to do is read, read the text mm-hmm. on the next one. And uh, we're off to the races talking about another topic. Sounds good. Yeah, so many angles and lenses that people come through that, yeah, sort of renew your worldview because we see through, we see things how, or the world appears how we see them, how we filter them rather than how it actually is. So everyone's got a slightly different twist on it. And it's always fascinating seeing what angle they're coming from. Sure. Uh, and I'd, I'd like for you to put that TikTok video that you did with the Provilo. <laughs> I will definitely put that. So, so uh, for those that are, are watching or watching the replay, of, and this is hilarious, this is why Alex and I work well together, because I've been 
doing the Provilo now for three years, uh, which is wow. we'll get pictures and you'll see the video. But, yeah. it, but it's a Russian stretching strengthening system that uh, stretch, builds uh, tendon ligaments and fascia in the body in traction. So the arms and legs are getting pulled in different directions. So, you know, I can think of a million different ways to Sunday to talk about it. Yet, if you put it in the right clipped video and present it, um, you get much more traction than Bill has had in the past three years, three years. Alex puts up, he shot a video from last Friday, put it up later that day. And how many have we had so far? I mean, it's a good amount. It's probably 375,000 at this point, which isn't a lot in TikTok standards, but it's a lot. I'm talking about Bill standards. You know, it's like Bill's not the tech guy. But half of the comments thought it was just a contraption that belonged in the the bedroom, and half said they were going to build it for their basement. Yeah, that's medieval torture device. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, it was amazing. The point of it is to get that level of exposure from a video that you shot that morning, put up later that day, and within we're only a Tuesday, so we're talking about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four days, and we have you have approaching four hundred thousand views on it. What a guy. Nice the, uh, <laughs> the amazing algorithm that is TikTok, which, yeah. I mean, these apps are good at what they do, and that is engagement. Their sole purpose is to keep you on the app. So they know how to do that. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Anyways, so kudos to you. <laughs> and just showing what a good team we're making at yes. this point. Because I got oodles of content that I'm happy to share, and Alex oh, yeah. has the tech side of things that is able to put it together in a way so more people can uh, access it. So yes, and build it in their own basements, which I I don't doubt a couple of those people will build their own version for mm-hmm. their pain reduction. Um, where if people want to sign up for either, um, well, you're going to be doing your physical reset online at some point, but mm-hmm. uh, you are the com, correct? For your 15-minute yes. consult. All these links will be below, but just for our audio listeners, uh, the Camella Foundation to learn more about this podcast is sponsored by the Camella Foundation. So if you want to learn more about that foundation's mission and purpose, that will be below. That's the Camella Foundation.org, the NipanGuru.com and any direct communication for you other than that, Bill? Yeah. If they go to the NipanGuru.com and set up Mm -hmm. a, set up a time to do a complimentary consult. So if they need more direct, I'm not going to give more direct than that straight off the internet. Right. Right. Yeah, true. And if anyone wants to uh, learn more about metabolism, health, fitness, nutrition, and hydration, that's my wheelhouse uh, and building habits, of course, but we both do that. That is cultivated-change.com. All these will be in the show notes below, but we will be doing this next Tuesday as well at 1 p.m. Eastern. And we hope you guys enjoyed this and got a lot out of it. Anything you want to say in closing, Bill? Uh, yeah, we're we're developing our system here. So bear with us. I know yes. we got some people that put some comments in there and we will look to figure out how to, what is the right format as we work out the kinks. We're, we'll, Alex and I will huddle after this and yes. figure out how we can change things going forward do a little bit of track and back <laughs> yep 
And, uh, but uh, I just, this has been fun, Alex. Oh yeah. I, I love this. Sharon. And um, we hope to get guests in the future. And yeah. I, I'm just super jazzed about how this is all unfolding here this year. How 2023 started is I have a feeling it's going to continue being a rocket ship. So yes. it's going to be a crazy year. Yeah. And, and I really like to, to say this, mm-hmm. what Alex and I are talking about and the people that this show will resonate with, it's really important you reach out for help. Mm. The, like you have to look around and see the reality that we're currently in is crumbling around us. That that's the reality. So there's a new reality that's developing and it's through understanding your neurology on a deeper level. So everything we're talking about here is going to be very, very applicable. So if you do need help and support, I would encourage you to reach out to Alex or I, because we have a tremendous network of support behind us that it may not be us that can help you, but other people that in our network that would be able to help and support you. I saw um, depression go by. Yeah, first one. You know, one of the things, um, you know, people are, are in their lives that are stuck and they're frustrated and it's like nothing that they've done before previously in their life is even remotely close to touching what they're challenged with not your conventional doctors, your psychology, your physical therapist, massage therapist, and across the board. So there is a new reality that is emerging that is going to be supported by people who don't necessarily have a bunch of letters after their name, who haven't had a bunch of education in the conventional sense that that education has come from a lot of life experiences. So yes. we're here. Well said. And with that, thanks for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Bill.